The Twins dropped a series to the Guardians, but how much does it really matter? A little? A lot? Somewhere in between? Is that why the Guardians claimed literally everyone on waivers? Seriously? We'll get to that, and we'll take a look ahead to the Rangers in this episode. This is Locked on Twins. You are Locked on Twins. Your daily Minnesota Twins podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello again and welcome back to Locked on Twins. I'm your host, Brandon Warner. You can find me on Twitter at Brandon underscore W-A-R-N-E. Thanks for making Locked on Twins your first listen every day. We're free and available wherever you get your podcasts as well, of course, as on YouTube. And also, if you are wanting to be active in the comments, we'd love to hear from you. It's, uh, you know, we'll try to hang out in the YouTube comments, answer your questions and just kind of see what the temperature is of fans of the team and the show. If you have questions that you would like answered on the show, again, feel free to ask. You can tweet me. You can tweet at Locked on Twins, DMs, whatever you want. We'd be happy to hear from you. Also, we have the post-game minute after pretty much every game. You can find that on YouTube under the shorts column. But we kind of come at you for about 50 seconds and then give you a stat you won't see anywhere else. Today's show brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers can bet $5 and get 200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started. Twins Rangers at Globe Life Field, not Globe Life Park. Easy to mistake that. On Friday, they open up a three-game weekend set at 7.05. It's Joe Ryan. Versus Max Scherzer, Twins getting another crack at the Scherz. Catch every pitch of the Twins' hometown broadcast with Corey and Danny with SiriusXM on the SXM app. All right, news du jour, a little bit of news and how it relates to your Minnesota Twins. Andrew Stevenson has been called up. He has actually had his contract purchased. And um, the corresponding move is Jose Miranda to the 60-day IL with his um, shoulder issue that's been bothering him. It sounds as though, um, or at least that makes it feel like maybe his season is over. Um, I don't have it mathed out, but he has been out for a while too. So either way, um, obviously not banking on him being a factor one way or the other. The rest of the year, Stevenson, if you are not aware, lefty uh, hitter and thrower, he's playing center field for the Twins on Friday night right after his call-up. But uh, 29 years old, has big league experience with the Nationals, 248 games, spread out over five seasons. Uh, he's a speedy guy, only five steals in the major leagues. But this year with the Saints, he has stolen 44 bags. So I'm not entirely sure why he didn't steal bases in the major leagues, but did in the has in the minors. Like with Rochester last year, uh, Nationals AAA, because he didn't play the big leagues at all. He stole 39 bases, um, although, to be fair, he did steal 26 in his year at LSU in 2015. So maybe it's something he didn't have a green light on. Maybe it's something he just kind of got better at because reading pitchers is definitely a thing. But nevertheless, he gives the Twins an element of speed. He can hang in center. Um, and then Brent Hedrick comes up just to give the Twins a little bit of length from the left side. So 
going to be interesting to see how the Twins parcel out innings to him, especially with their uh, their bullpen in such a spot where um, decently high leverage innings are up for grabs. Uh, Alan Buznitz, DFA'd by the Reds. And now I know what you're asking. Alan Buznitz, who's that? Now he pitched for the Twins in 2017 and 2018. 2017, he was in fact uh, quite good. 31 and two thirds innings with a buck 99 ERA. Things went south at 18. And so, nevertheless, um, if you've forgotten about him, I understand he's only thrown 57 innings in a Twins uniform, but he did spend some time with the Reds this year. I was surprised to see him been called up back when it happened. And he worked a few innings for them, but DFA, he's going to be on the chopping block. We'll see what happens there, but happy trails one way or another to the old friend. But again, I was more surprised he was in the big leagues that he was actually, than, than that he was leaving. Uh, another September call up, Travis Blankenhorn, um, you know, may have fond or not so fond memories of his game in Oakland, uh, couple years ago that um you know just completely unraveled the team um not his fault but the, their that game unraveled that year's team so I, sh I should be clear about that um absolutely mashing at rochester again rochester the triple a affiliate of the nationals i still sometimes slip up and say triple a rochester for the twins just because it's it's just so ingrained in there but um yeah blank and horn had uh over an 850 860 ops in triple a so a um, little surprised Washington didn't have room for him prior to this just to give him a look, but he'll get September to audition or see where he lands next year as well. Josh Donaldson released earlier by the Yankees. He was signed to a minor league deal with the Brewers and should be up within a week. It sounds as though he's back from his calf issues again. Um, we'll see what he has left because pretty much everything that he had hits wise with the Yankees was a homer. And he was not hitting, I don't think, even 200. It was it was bad. It was real bad. But, um, you know, maybe they catch lightning in a bottle for a month here, and he helps on the path to the playoffs. We'll see. And then finally, Pedro Grafal will be returning as manager of the White Sox, as Chris Getz, their new um, head man baseball-wise in operations. Uh, Getz, you may remember as the second baseman for the Royals uh, a while back, but he, um, he's been in the, the White Sox system working his way up to a job like this for quite some time. Certainly some consternation about the fact that the White Sox stayed within based on just how much of a mess this front office has been previously. Um, in fact, it sounded as though Rick Hahn attempted to resign on at least one occasion and was told he couldn't. So, um, We'll see what happens, but they're going to run it back with a team that uh, had some severe flaws and had some bad luck. Um, you know, we thought it'd be a three-horse race in the Central. Technically, if you want to call it a one-horse race or a three-horse race, both would fly. But it's definitely not a two-team race because the Tigers aren't far enough back of the Guardians for us to really dismiss them quite yet. Either way, though, that just is, goes to show that the White Sox um, – you know, drop the ball in more ways than one this season. All right, we'll dive in to a recap of the Guardian series in just a second. But first, we got to give some love to our friends over at FanDuel. Get ready for the NFL season with incredible offers from FanDuel, America's number one sports book. 
Right now, new customers can bet $5 and get 200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Plus, all customers who bet $5 will get $100 off NFL Sunday ticket from YouTube and YouTube TV. Now is the best time to join FanDuel. The app is easy to use, and you can be on everything from spreads to player props and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season with an offer you don't want to miss. FanDuel, the official partner of the NFL. All right, we'll come down the pipe here a little bit. Uh, well, into the bullpen, we are going to talk about the Guardians for you. Thanks for making us your first listen every day. If you haven't checked it out yet, we talked to Twins prospect and Man Mountain Carson McCusker. A uh, wonderful interview, really got some inside intel on how unlikely his path was to high A, which is, is where he is now. We'll see if he continues to move. Um, you know, we sure hope so. We are working on a couple different names moving forward. I know Tom Hackamer, uh, former twin sidearm relief prospect, who is extremely interesting to follow on Twitter, will be one of our guests coming up here. But uh, a lot of fun stuff. And two, just um, coming down the stretch here, there's a lot to be excited about. A lot to be nervous about, too, uh, but a lot to be excited about. Twins, Rangers open the series Friday at Globe Life Field. 705 first pitch on Friday. It's Joe Ryan making his second start coming off the injured list. And then Max Scherzer getting his second straight crack at the Twins. And so we'll see how that goes. But you can catch every pitch of the Twins hometown broadcast with Sirius XM on the SXM app. Just search Twins. Now, I know what you're saying. Why are we talking about the Guardians? The Guardians left town a long time ago. Well, one thing I'm, I've observed from Twins fans this year is a hysteria after literally anything goes wrong. A missed hit and run. A three-run inning allowed in the first inning. A loss. All of these things to various levels I would still consider minor issues in a 162-game schedule. But for whatever reason, Twins fans are... Uh, behaving like Yankee fans where they expect the impossible and when they don't get it, they just, uh, they blow up. So I wanted to give us some time to breathe because guardians take two of three. They're down five. Um, you know, it got as high as, uh, or it could have been as high as seven if the twins sweep the series as you'd hope. Uh, and the last two games were close. You can't assume a sweep or even want to assume a sweep, but the twins really did have opportunities to either win the game coming back or just not give it away in games two and three. So, I mean, if, if you have one of those games go the other way, do the guardians still claim basically the entire waiver list? And I think it's, I think it's a viable question because they were, Numbers one, two, three on my power rankings for Twins targets. And I, I got into this in a brief shorts episode that you can find on YouTube and on your podcast provider just before this one, where I think it's more petty than it is pertinent that the Guardians picked up those guys. Now, in a month, those guys can do anything, good, bad, or otherwise. In fact, we've seen that with Giolito and the Angels. He wasn't particularly good. Matt Moore the last two weeks has been pretty bad. Reynaldo Lopez is feels like the kind of guy that has like late inning stuff, but like mid inning execution. Like if you have a good bullpen, you probably want him throwing like the sixth inning. So either way, I mean, it may not mean anything. They may not 
none of them, maybe none of them, maybe all of them perform up to their level or, or maybe one does and two don't, whatever. And that may or may not matter because a five game lead is better than a 90% chance on September one to win the AL central. So maybe none of it matters, but where I think the level of petty comes in is just because the odds are the twins would have gotten at least one of those guys. Um, Four games, four teams between them in the claims. So even if the claims didn't go that every team could claim every player, you still think there's probably a pretty good chance that those teams in between them claim those guys, assuming they're ranked choices. You know, like the Reds, for instance, maybe claimed other guys and not Bader or uh, Renfro. Maybe Bader and Renfro wouldn't have been their top two picks. So a lot of things could have happened that would have prevented this from being any sort of issue. But with that said, I think it was petty, although I think it also might have been funny if they didn't think they were going to get all three. And then what happened when they did, um, you know, assuming they probably had to get budgetary uh, approval, et cetera, from the Dolans. But um, <laughs> yeah, I kind of found that curious, but I, I think it's more petty than anything. But you know what? I would part of it, too, is why wave the white flag? Well, five percent playoff odds, right? Better yet, though, or more importantly yet, they already waved the flag when they were down fewer games a month ago. Now, it doesn't mean you have to keep waving that flag. You don't. But you frittered away that month, that month of August, where maybe you can make some headway or at least not lose ground. Um, But alas, that didn't happen. Um. it's a chance for new life. And I know that the guardians did not approach the deadline knowing that the angels would do this. I suppose that was especially true at the deadline, watching the angels do what they did. However, however improbable the angels doing what they did at the deadline was the tank. And then whatever you call this waiver business uh, is even more surprising, even more, uh, just kind of out of left field. So I'm more angry at the Angels than I would ever be at the Guardians. And you can say you're more angry at MLB than the Angels, and I won't fight you because the MLB or MLB, not, not the MLB, I hate when people say that. That, that. that rule exists, and it's up to MLB to change it, perhaps in the offseason, whatever. This is unprecedented territory. You know, we haven't seen a situation like this really outside of like Alex Rios getting claimed from the Blue Jays by the White Sox. So honestly, I, I don't know what the answer is. I mean, it's hysterical that the angels traded their very few decent prospects to get these guys and then dumped them for salary relief. And I've heard from one person that's kind of doing some research that they're wondering if it's possible the Angels did not even reset their luxury tax uh, threshold by because uh, um, Randall Grichuk did not clear waivers or did clear waivers and so did not get claimed. Uh, so his money still remains on that payroll for that purpose. Um, I've asked a couple of different sources and it doesn't doesn't know for sure, but still interesting to think and really just again shameful business by the Angels. And the Guardians benefited from it. What, do you, what can you do? Guardians benefited from it. 
Uh, and if it hadn't been the Guardians, it probably would have been the Reds, Diamondbacks, or Marlins. There's still three guys the Twins would have liked to have gotten. Maybe instead they land Bader because the Reds claim someone else. I don't know that the Twins claim Bader. I can't claim that. But, um, you know, with that said, uh, if you change the waiver rules a little bit, I think the Twins land somebody, but it's probably not anybody that people are jumping up and down about. Although, uh, you know, Bader would have been a good fit. A guy who hits lefties with center field capabilities defensively is, you know, something that you should look into. All right. So, again, I said we needed some time to process this Guardian series. And, I mean, I think I'm kind of there now. It's just it's, it's frustrating the close ones that slip away late, especially given up five runs in the last three innings of uh, of the game on Wednesday. Sonny Gray moving quickly through seven innings. Seventh inning, there was some turbulence. He almost hit a guy. Um, you know, he he did not have a great – he did not cover himself in glory in the seventh inning. And the trouble is people say, well, why don't you send him back out? Uh, he had two very wild pitches that inning. If you send him back out and he gives up runs, you say, well, your bullpen was rested. Technically true because Jack, Steelbart, Duran, Pagan, the top four guys in the hierarchy, all worked in the game. Okay. So Sonny gets lifted to give the game to those guys. And Sonny's out at 81 pitches, which, again, people will use that pitch count regardless of if it's a good or bad point. Um, I mean, in this case, it's not horrible. Um, Griffin Jacks has, you know, his typical – uh, hard luck inning of late. He and Thielbar work an inning combined, the eighth inning, to, um, at that point, Twins' lead is cut in half, 2-1. And then in the ninth, Emilio Pagan, um, sorry, the ninth, Juan Duran has the Guardians down to their last strike, throws a wild pitch behind Bo Naylor. The, the tying run comes in. Um, there was some controversy on, not in the game, but on Twitter about if the batter swung. But if you look closely, the ball is past him before he swings. Even if you want to call it a strikeout, he reaches first on the drop third strike. The run scores. And we still head to the 10th as they did. The big issue here is Emilio Pagan throws seven pitches, four strikes. And he is lifted with two outs in the 10th for Cody Funderburg. Now, they're... Um, they're in a situation where you got runners on, uh, I believe it was second and third, and Calhoun up. Um, Funderburg, who had uh, just had a great, great, great start to his big league career and his debut in the first game. Um, that's a big spot. He falls behind 3-0, and then Calhoun absolutely murders a baseball into right center. Um, you know, just a game that had that weird – almost like a getaway day afternoon game that it felt like it was going to end like two zero with a couple of scratch hits scoring runs and just, you know, the kind of game you fall asleep to in the third or fourth inning and you wake up and it's over and you're like, wow, nothing happened. I literally missed nothing. Um, and that was the case until Emilio Pagan got lifted for some reason. Um, again, like I just don't understand why they've shown this much faith in Pagan, uh, especially against the guardians, but that's not really the point here. 
put in these kinds of spots only to lift him for a rookie making his second big league appearance. Um, again, left on left makes sense. Uh, Calhoun's an older guy who is going to be better against righties. Uh, but at the same time, uh, you know, it, it feels weird to say I trust Emilio Pagan at this point. I, actually, I'm kind of a point now where I get it and I kind of can, can live with it, but, um, I'm not making that Thunderbird move. Just a- absolutely not. So that that's where I kind of stood on that. Um, that was what was frustrating about dropping that one. Because again, if you take two of three, maybe that reshapes how waivers goes, and maybe that reshapes how the rest of the season goes. Um, don't mistake that for bitterness. But uh, you know, everybody played by the rules. It just made it maybe more um, evident that those rules need to be tweaked. So we'll see what happens there. Um, yeah, so Twins in game one get a Royce Lewis Grand Slam. Uh, second in as many days, come back down from down 4-0 to win, 10-6. Uh, and they've been down 5-0 to the Rangers the day before, and Royce Lewis hit a Grand Slam. And then he had a chance to <laughs> hit a, a Grand Slam in, I believe, the first inning against Gavin Williams of game two, and, uh, well, did not, or we'd still be talking about it. But, um yeah, so Twins win the opener. Cody Funderburg comes in with three strikeouts in his first two innings. Barely breaks a sweat, looking like Josh Hader, uh, Diet Hader, Diet Haterade, whatever you want to call you. Looking like Josh Hader, but about five miles off his fastball. Um, you know, still reasonable velocity from a lefty, but uh, Funderburg absolutely phenomenal. Twins win that one. Got to be feeling good about the series at this point. And then Gavin Williams kind of has a, an awkward moment trying to field a ball in uh in the first inning doesn't come back out for the second but twins just no answer for this kind of <laughs> smattering now and also to like keep this in mind Xavion curry only gave the guardians two innings of of work the night before so the bullpen is in shambles because daniel norris comes in gives him only two innings gets hit hard gives up a couple homers and so they go eli morgan eniel de los um uh, De Los Santos and then James Karen check, you know, so some of their better relievers and twins just take care of business with Norris and, and don't need to do anything the rest of the day, uh, rest of the way. Um, now with that said, then, uh, Williams only goes one inning, leaving the twins in a really good spot against Hunter Gaddis, um, Sam Hentges, former, uh, Minnesota resident, um, and then, you know, just kind of go on from there. Uh, the Twins just can't solve any of those guys. They get a run on a homer off Gaddis um, from from Royce Lewis, again, doing his thing. But, um, you know, it basically turned into a bullpen game against the Twins that uh, wasn't prepared for, wasn't, um, you know, something you could be ready for. But, uh, you know, hats off to Gaddis and, and Henches combining for 108 pitches and keeping the Twins at bay while – Pablo Lopez kind of had that typical non-perfect Pablo outing where it's a, it's a quality start. It's kind of like a minimalist quality start. And then, um, you know, the Twins just kind of, I don't know, just don't have it there at the end. Um, and a chance against Class A at the end. Uh, I think they got the, the tying run to the plate but couldn't do anything more than that. So um, frustrating second game. Third game even more frustrating again. And I'm not going to rehash it because we talked about it quite a bit, but um, Cole Calhoun Homer as the crushing blow, obviously um, a real hard sell 
this is a team right now, the Guardians, who are hitting Calhoun third. He's 35 years old and has not been a good big leaguer for a while. He's having a nice stretch right now. And then Ramon Laureano, who they picked up off waivers, is hitting cleanup. This is not a team the Twins should have to worry about losing to down the stretch. Now, they didn't address their hitting. Their pitching has been good this year. And you can always use more pitching. There's no question about that. But did the Guardians need more pitching? Um, does more pitching give them enough of a lift when their offense has been this bad? I guess is a better question, better way to put it. We'll have to wait and see. Uh, these guys killed the Twins in the series. Uh, Stephen Kwan, six hits, uh, hit 429. Arias, uh, Gabriel Arias had four hits, hit 364. Uh, Bo Naylor with homers in the first two games. And then, of course, that Calhoun homer, just um, just brutal. Um, Duran with another meltdown. It's going to be pretty interesting to see how he's handled down the stretch. We'll run over to our friends at Tankathon. We got to talk about the fact that the Guardians have the 13th toughest schedule the rest of the way. The Twins have the 27th. So this is what they deem as their toughest opponents. Twins have three against the Rays, three against the Rangers starting Friday, and then three against the Reds. And in fact, the Twins three against the Guardians are considered part of their easiest opponents. For the Guardians, they have four with the Orioles, three with the Rays starting today, uh, three with the Rangers, three with the Giants, three with the Twins, and then two more with their in-state rivals, the Reds. So that's a remaining winning percentage strength of schedule at 511 for the Guardians, 459 for the Twins. May or may not matter. It's just a, a data point at this juncture, it, much as the same as like the Twins being 90% to make the playoffs. Well, if they don't make it, fancy, well, what happened? Well, the other 10%, that's what happened. All right. We are back for the seventh inning stretch. Twins Rangers at Globe Life Field Friday, 7.05 p.m. First pitch. It's Joe Ryan. It's Max Scherzer. A couple of righties going at it. And you can catch every pitch of the Twins hometown broadcast with Sirius XM on the SXM app. Just search Twins. The Guardians, as noted, have the race for three, and then the Twins head to the cleave. So we will see what that all looks like here because if things happen the way you'd want as a Twins fan – those Cleveland games may not be that all meaningful at all that meaningful, but also there's also the potential that it's the exact opposite. Uh, since the twins last saw the Rangers, they took two of the, the Rangers took two of three against a skittering Mets team in Queens. Um, twins have the Mets coming up here at home after the guardian series. Um, the Rangers were excessively streaky in August. And we talked about this a little bit before, but uh, both they and the Twins were 15 and 12 in August. But the Rangers won eight straight to start the month and then lost eight straight later in the month, including the first two that they lost to the Twins in the series uh, last weekend. So um, it's a Rangers team that is uh, obviously fighting for what's going to happen in the playoffs, they come into the series with, um, how do I want to put this? Uh, I, I would say they have still uh, a respectable, okay chance just because they're a game out. But Fangraphs is not really bullish on them. They, they're at 15.0% to win the division, but 703 
to make the playoffs. They really like the Astros 52.8 to win the division and the Mariners at 32.1. They're both, um, they're virtually tied as far as um, first place with the, the Rangers a game back. So um, we'll see how that goes, but I still think the Rangers obviously fighting and clawing for their life. Um, you know, they've had some interesting uh, stretches here, just absolutely crazy ebbs and flows where you feel the season's over and then you feel you can't be stopped. And those can be, those can be pretty bad for your blood pressure at this time of, uh, at this time of year. But um, let's talk about the Rangers in August. Uh, Corey Seager, absolutely incredible. Um, 10 home runs, OPS over 1100, Mitch Garver, OPS over a thousand. Good offensive showing for the Rangers. Uh, Max Scherzer, picked up three wins with a two, six, four ERA in 30 innings, really, really taking to, um, really taking to Texas as you would hope if you were Texas. Um, he looks like vintage Scherzer, which is a bad thing for the twins on Friday, obviously. Um, the rest of the month, uh, John Gray was fairly solid four three Oh ERA with a buck 16 whip. And, um, the, other guy the Twins will face is Jordan Montgomery. Again, it's the whole lefty situation. Montgomery with a 2-3-0 ERA in August. So it's it's going to be a challenge this series. Twins have seen these guys, not Gray, but the other two uh, recently. So it's hard to say uh, who gets the upper hand. I tend to think offense, but pitching is a more – hitting is such a difficult aspect where failure is part of it that I think the pitcher still has the upper hand even though they're seeing them for the second straight time. And if there was a pitcher, I would not feel good about facing twice in a row as far as getting into a groove against them. Um, I don't think I feel like I could solve Max Scherzer in a second straight start. So the twins are really, really going to be up against it. Um, twins coming out of August, uh, you know, things different in the second half offensively. Um, they've been better. I, you know, 786 OPS as a team. Um, Max Kepler just going nuts, 1,008 OPS. Uh, Michael A. Taylor with a 902. Royce Lewis with a 955. Uh, Jorge Polanco, 887. They have seven guys with an 800 or better, and then uh, the rest of the guys are 700 or worse with the exception of Joey Gallo. So guys like Correa, Julien, uh, Farmer, Luplo, Castro. Castro's due back here anytime soon, or rather soon too, so we can get prepared for him again, the – the Willie Castro experience. And then uh, Christian Vasquez, just absolutely dreadful um, hitting 204 with a 500 OPS. So um, offense in general, good pitching staff with a 419 ERA four wins for Pablo in the month with a 225 ERA uh, 204 for Sonny. Um, but yeah, like Bailey over five, six, three Kent Maeda five Oh four um, Griffin Jacks allows 10 earned in 10 innings in the month. Juan Duran has a 284 ERA, but um, you know, way too many base runners and home runs. Uh, those are your two big guys. You have to be able to rely on them. Uh, Dylan Floro, dreadful. Joe Ryan, not particularly good in his two starts. Time for retribution on Friday, but we'll see if he has that in him. In general, though, um, you know, just a very ordinary month for the twins. But if they can win about at that pace, 15 and 12. So with 28 left, you want to say 15 and 13, I won't fight you. That would mean that, in theory, the the Guardians, I almost said White Sox, the Guardians would have to win 
like 20 of their last 28 or 29 games, which is going to be a tall task. It's going to be a tough ask. And I don't know if they're capable of it, but, um, you know, I, I guess we'll find out. Uh, as far as rankings this month, Rangers starters had the lowest ERA in MLB at 315. Twins were sixth at 380. So I think what's going to be important, as we spoke with Bryce Paterik, the Locked On Rangers host earlier in the week, uh, is to get to this Rangers bullpen. Now you're going to have to work counts. You're going to have to do, um, you know, get to these, this bullpen, which Bryce hates. Other bullpen had a 4-1-3 ERA in uh, August. So, so maybe not quite as bad as he said, but um, if the Twins are going to do damage in this series, I, I feel fairly confident it's going to be against the bullpen. So um, make sure to hang out, come back. We'll have a post-game wrap of this one, a quick uh, Locked On Twins minute, and we'll talk to you over the weekend and then hopefully come out of the other end uh, facing Cleveland with not that much to play for because the Twins are running away with it. But for now, that's a wrap. Thanks for hanging out. Make sure you follow me at Brandon underscore Warren at Locked On Twins. And again, thank you for making us your first listen every day. Subscribe, like, give us a five-star rating or review on whatever platform you're listening to. Hit subscribe, give us a thumbs up on YouTube, and all that fun stuff. This is Brandon Warren signing off and saying thank you so much. And don't forget to stop by on